In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. In 1944, the German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer was imprisoned for his opposition to the Nazi regime. He later ended up being executed. In prison, Bonhoeffer saw that the church, which had been focused on self-preservation and compromised under the Nazis, would find renewal only through a return to the fundamentals of Christian discipleship what he called prayer and righteous action among men. All Christian thinking, speaking, and organizing, he said, must be born anew out of this prayer and this action. I think Bonhoeffer is right, and our reading from St. Mark's Gospel helps us to see why, by showing us how prayer and righteous action come together in the ministry of Jesus. According to St. Mark, the first thing Jesus does after calling his first disciples is to go to Capernaum, a little fishing village on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, where his first disciples, Simon and Andrew, James and John, lived. And the first thing Jesus does in Capernaum is to perform a dramatic exorcism one Sunday at Sabbath while teaching in the synagogue. It wasn't a Sunday, was it? It was one Sabbath while teaching in the synagogue. Excuse me. Everyone present was understandably astonished at what they have witnessed. The unaccustomed authority of Jesus' teaching, the disruption to their normally quiet Sabbath service, the man's strange words, the way in which he convulsed and cried when the unclean spirit came out of him. And so it's no surprise that the news of what Jesus has done goes viral. I like to imagine that after service, everyone tearing out of the synagogue and running down the hill to tell their friends and families what they had just seen. If it happened today, everybody would be whipping their phones out and tweeting about it, wouldn't they? News of Jesus spreads so rapidly that by sundown that same day, crowds have gathered around him, bringing to him all who were sick and oppressed by devils, and the whole village was gathered together at the door. And as we read in our text, he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils. Capernaum, that sleepy fishing village, has become the beachhead for the advancing kingdom of God. The Savior of the world has begun his mission. He's begun to deliver men and women from diminished lives, from lives diminished by disease, by the powers of darkness. He rescues them from death. He says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it Abundantly, he sets them free to become fully human. 
This is what the Lord Jesus begins to do at Capernaum, and it is what he continues to do today. Christ restores human nature. He makes us new by making us like himself. For he is the new Adam, the complete man, the perfect human being. And so to be fully human is to be made like him, to be remade in the image of Christ's humanity. And because Jesus is the Word made flesh, the incarnate Son of God, his humanity is, as Rowan Williams puts it, the perfect translation of the relationship of the eternal Son to the eternal Father, a relationship of loving and adoring self-giving, a pouring out of life towards the other. That is the form of life that Christ remakes us into. We see something of the way in which his human life is a translation, as it were, of his eternal life as the Son of God towards the end of our passage, when Jesus says that he has come forth. Did you catch that little phrase? He's speaking there, of course, about the purpose of his ministry, explaining to his disciples that he must go on teaching and preaching in other towns, that his mission compels him to preach beyond the bounds of Capernaum. But when he says, I came forth, there is also a deeper resonance. It points to his mission being the mission of God. He has come out from the depths of the divine life. He has come from God. He says, I came from the Father and have come into the world. He has come out of his great love for us in order that the world might be saved through him. Christ came that we might have new life through him. He came into his own, St. John says, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name, which are born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor of the will of the flesh, but of God. To receive him, in other words, is to become a new person, to be transformed into the image of Jesus, to become by grace what he is by nature. As St. Paul puts it, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Jesus proclaims and embodies the arrival of the kingdom of God in his preaching and in his ministry of healing. Through these righteous actions, he brings salvation. He makes a new community of salvation, a new humanity gathered around himself. And did you notice how his actions begin and end in prayer? In prayer, he turns to the Father, the one from whom he came into the world 
and to whom he is returning. He begins his ministry in prayer in the wilderness. He ends his ministry in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in between, he returns again and again to lonely places to pray. In our passage, for example, we read how after that long day of teaching and healing, he wakes early in the morning, before it is even light. And, as we read, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. The Gospels record many such times when Jesus went to pray in solitude. Indeed, the Lord Jesus does nothing without prayer. And there is a sense in which his whole life just is a prayer. Now, if being a disciple of Jesus means being transformed into his image, prayer will be central to our lives as well. Rowan Williams says that the discipline of prayer is about letting the reality of Jesus come alive in us, about letting the life of Christ come alive in us. When I was in college, one of my mentors wrote to me that you must begin and end everything you do in prayer, and it will turn everything else to prayer. I've never forgotten those words, even if I don't live up to them. And they're really all that I wish to tell you this morning. You must begin and end everything in prayer, and it will turn everything else to prayer. Another way to put this is to ask about what you are paying attention to, what you are looking at in your life. Because of sin, our default mode is to turn our gaze inwards, to look at ourselves. But in prayer, we turn our gaze to God. We look away from ourselves. Simone Weil said that prayer just is paying attention to God. And I think that's exactly right. In prayer... We attend to God. We fix our eyes on the one who is our source and our end, our goal. We lift up our hearts to the Lord. And as we do, as we behold the Lord, we are, by his grace, transformed into his image. His life comes alive in us. Our lives begin to mirror his life. So, I'm going to quote Rowan Williams one more time, and then I'll stop quoting him. The question we must always ask ourselves, he says, is, where are we looking? Where are we looking, he asks. Do we look anxiously at the problems of our day, at the varieties of unfaithfulness, or to threats to faith and morals, to the weakness of the institution of the church? Or 
are we seeking to look to Jesus, to the unveiled face of God's image? Where are we looking? This brings us back to Bonhoeffer and to his suggestion that the revival and renewal of the church will occur through a return to prayer and righteous action. You might say that the central vocation of the church is to bear witness to the Lord Jesus. The church bears witness to Christ in words and actions, in preaching the gospel, in sacramental ministry, in works of mercy, in being made a community of people whose lives mirror the Lord Jesus. A people who, as the prayer book says, show forth God's praise not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to his service and by walking before him in holiness and righteousness all our days. None of this will happen, though, unless we know the Lord Jesus. Only if we fix our eyes firmly on the Lord through prayer will our lives mirror his life. So prayer is the beginning and the end of Christian life and action. For in prayer, we look to the Lord Jesus. We seek his face. And its glory comes to fill our vision and shines out in our lives that mirror his to the world. Only through prayer does the church become capable of bearing witness to Jesus Christ. And so I ask you again this morning, where are you looking? Are you seeking to look to Jesus? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.